him was not anything made that was made. We are starting with Jesus, the cornerstone who we've been looking at again earlier today. He is the cornerstone. He is the beginning of all things. He is the middle of all things. And he is the end of all things. Jesus, God the Father, Jesus the Son, God the Holy Spirit. An amazing God, three persons and yet one person's. And the more we look at it, the more confused we are, and yet the more blessed we are. Steve last week covered the first two verses. If you want to, you can listen to those on the website. Go to the Beacon website and you can hear that. And it'll help give context to what I'm saying today. But there's three areas I want to look at today. I want to look at Jesus, the creator of all things. I then want to look at Jesus, the sustainer of all things. And then we're going to look at Jesus, the redeemer of all things. So it's all about Jesus, absolutely. Hooray, absolutely, hooray. If it wasn't for Jesus, well, let's, please don't go there. But let's be very clear, when we talk about Jesus as the creator, firstly, that Jesus is the creator. He's an equal standing, an equal authority with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. If you'd like to turn near the back of your Bible, there's Colossians. You've probably got Ephesians well thumbed in your Bible. Just turn over another three or four pages and you'll get Colossians. This awesome passage from Colossians chapter 1. You may want to listen because we're going to do a fair bit of Bible chasing this morning. It says this in verse 15. It's talking about Jesus. We should play Jesus bingo, shouldn't we? You know, how, many, how many times can you say Jesus and how many times can you say self? be interesting, wouldn't it? Or I. Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, there you go, in heaven, on earth, visible, invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he, Jesus, is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. Yes, he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might have the preeminence. In everything, the preeminence. Note here it says Jesus, firstborn, firstborn. That's not talking about him being God's firstborn son. It's talking about him in joint preeminence with God, not as the first inferior being of God. Jesus is a joint heir uh, with God and with uh, joint heir. What am I saying? I'm mixing up my scriptures here. But Jesus, God the Father, and God the Holy Spirit are one. On to one of my favorite scriptures, Hebrews, near the back. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 to 3. If you ever get a bit bored, you ever get a bit bored with your Christian faith, a bit bored with God, oh, dear, we go again. Blessed be the God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah, bless us with every spirit. Yeah, it's great. Look at Hebrews 1 and say, Father, illuminate. Illuminate your word to me. Look what it says. It says, long ago, in many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us through his son, that's Jesus, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also 
He created the world. There it is again. Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the power of his word. Amazing, isn't it? What an amazing God we serve. What an amazing God has revealed himself to us. 1 Corinthians chapter 8. Again, well-known verses which are very complicated to read. (laughs) But it says this. 1 Corinthians 8 verse 5. For although there there may be so-called gods in heaven and earth, as indeed there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is one God, the Father, from whom all things and for whom we exist, and one Lord Jesus Christ, through whom are all things and through whom we exist. We'll be looking at that more later on. Jesus is the creator. If you want to think, well, what's this creator look like? Then maybe one of the ways is to look at creation. Fairly simple, isn't it? Isn't distance a long way? Yeah, do you find that? Isn't distance a long way? Has anyone ever flown to America? Just goes on forever, doesn't it? You think you're never going to land. Australia? Singapore? Oh, very nice. Can I China? China, yeah. You're on that plane, you think it's never going to end. Those adverts on British Airways, you think, if I see that wordy thing one more time, I go... You're on the plane for hour after hour after hour. And when you get to Australia, you're still only halfway around the world. <laughs> Did you know if a jumbo jet took off from Heathrow and flew to the moon, it would take more than a day. It would take more than three days going at full speed. It would take more than a week. It would take 14 days for a jumbo jet to go full speed to the moon which is 238,855 miles away. I measured it this morning. (laughs) Did you know the light from the moon takes 1.3 seconds to get to us? Isn't that amazing? And light travels very fast. Right. The The bit Malcolm's been looking forward to. It's really going to work on the tape, this, isn't it? I need two volunteers. Um, I'd like some. I need a volunteer who'd like to have a pee at the front of the hall. <laughs> what, what did I say? Oh, sorry. Um, I'd like a volunteer who would like to hold a frozen pee, and it mustn't be Steve. Oh, come on, darling. I need. My beautiful assistant will now have a pee at the front. Here we are. Would you like to hold up the pee? Can you all see that? Hold it, hold it like that. We've been practicing this for a week. Okay. Now, think, think how long it takes to go to Australia, okay? Think, takes ever and ever. Now, this represents the sun. I think this is the ball my team play with, which is why we're not very good. Not to scale, but I need someone to be the sun, not Steve. Come on, Malcolm. Oh, oh, sorry, that's Gillingham goalkeeper. 
Uh, steady. <laughs> Meet you behind the, behind the stadium afterwards, yeah. Okay, so that's the sun. Malcolm, I'd like you to um, try and get the correct distance from the Earth with the sun. Off you go. Okay, would you like to go to the back of the hall and count your paces? One, two, three, four. I'll get stuck after that. And we've got to add about another three or four there. There goes the sun. How many paces was that, Malcolm? 19, and what is another, what, four or five, would you say here? Say 25. So Malcolm is now 25 yards away. That's the earth, that's the sun. Did you know that Malcolm needs to go back another 25, and then another 25, and a few extra, to be 80 yards from the earth? That is how far the sun is from the earth. Now, I was so sure that I got that wrong. I actually went back in a great panic yesterday when I was preparing, going, let me just go back, and that is correct. And we have a scientist here, so I'm very scared because we've got clever people like John and Helen here. So that gives you an idea. If you want to come back now, Malcolm, it's a marvellous bit of walking then. <laughs> that the Earth would fit round the diameter of the sun, 100... Do you want to keep that, actually? It's a little present. Have it for your tea, thank you. I, I have more Earths. I have more Earths if you want them. But that, 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 little, that little Earth would fit 109 times in diameter round the sun. This is what the Bible says, more importantly. Psalm 33, verse 6. It says, By the word of the Lord, by the word of the Lord, we heard about last week, the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth, all their host. What is the nearest star to us apart from the earth, apart from the sun? Okay, it's called uh, Proxima Centura. It is 4.24 light years away, whatever that means. There was a Voyager spacecraft that went off from our solar system about 1977, I think it was launched, leaving at 37,000 miles an hour. It is going to take 80,000 years to arrive at that first nearest star. Isn't evolution amazing? All from one bang, I don't think. We have cells in our body, probably about 10 trillion cells. And the cells in our body would stretch to the, to the sun and back 50 times. What does it say in the book of Job? Job 22 verse 12 says, Is not God high in the heavens? See the highest stars, how lofty they are. And friends, we are just a tiny part of that creation. Mind-blowing creation. And I bet Helen's looking it up on her phone. <laughs> no? Looking at what? How far these things are. But the very tiniest to the very greatest, our God made that. And there's stuff in the universe that we are still yet to discover how great is this God that we worship? Now, we did a series last year from Genesis, and um, we went through Genesis, and we saw in Genesis chapter 1, we saw that the pinnacle of God's creation was man. Man was the pinnacle of creation. Ta-da! Here I am, man, the pinnacle, all these millions of stars and millions of galaxies and millions of miles, and, uh, and here's man. 
The pinnacle. Yeah, we're the pinnacle, but we are not the center. We are not the center. There's only one who is the center of all that we see and know. That's the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That is God. My friends, the Godhead, he is the source and he is the center, not me. Controversial time. Jesus is building his church. Amen. I agree with that. And he's not building it by our independent efforts. And I believe it's so important as we come, as we meet with people, as we pray with people, as we minister with people, do not base our ministry on their need. We can't do that. We must base ministry on who God is, on his greatness, on his wonder, on what he achieved at the cross, what he achieved when he rose from the God, raised him from the dead. I've been, years and years ago, Julie and I would go and see people, oh, I've got this problem, I've got that problem. For hours and hours, they bang on about their problems. And at the end, you think, well, we'd better have a little prayer to Jesus just to mop it up. Dear Lord, you've heard our conversation today. Yeah, let's share, you know, one or two people here I share with things I struggle with, things I find difficult, and it's good to do that. But it's also good to get aside and say, Father, this is the situation. It's not about living in unreality. Oh, I'm in pain. Oh, don't worry about that. I think how big God is. No, it's about compassion, but also, but our focus must be on the greatness of our God, not on the bigness of my need. Because if so, I become the focus, and it's an idol. (laughs) We need to put God and Jesus at the center of all we do. Sounds harsh, but let's focus on the greatness of God, the goodness of God, and the grace of God. We cannot minister the Holy Spirit out of a sense of sentimentality. We really can't just minister out of following God's word and the sense of leading of his Holy Spirit. It's Jesus the center, not me. There's a man who's part of the, Revel- uh, the our family of churches who Steve knows, and I call him the irritating prophet. <laughs> Lovely guy. But what he does is he, he, not me directly, but he challenges me on what I've stood for, what I've believed for many years. Some of the Christian bits and bobs I kind of believe and stand by. He says, Julian, where is that in the Bible? Give me the scripture. Lord, if I was the only sinner, you would have come and died for me. Does it say that? It's just sentimentality. We want to see people get saved. People get saved by the truth of the word, or by the ministry of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to quiet down. I'll get in trouble. <laughs> I don't think I will get in trouble, actually. Revelation 4, chapter 11. It says, worthy are you. Oh, worthy are you, O Lord, and our Lord and our God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they existed and were, and were created. Friends, we worship a magnificent God. Jesus came, he walked this earth, he understands our pains, our troubles, my mind going completely do lally. He understands that. But also he has made a way for us to look up, lift our eyes. As we heard today, Jesus comforts us. He strengthens us in all the issues and things that we face in our lives. Isaiah chapter 40. That's Jesus, the creator. How can you do that justice in 10 minutes? (laughs) Isaiah, very good book, just beyond the middle of your Bible. Chapter 40 and verse 25. Jesus is a sustainer. It says here, 
40, 25. To whom then will, will you compare me? This is God speaking. To who then will you compare me that I should be like him, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes on high and see who created these. He who brings out their host by number, calling them all by name. Wow. By the greatness of his might and because he is strong in power, not one is missing. God has got everything in his place. We read earlier in Hebrews chapter, two, verse, uh, chapter 1 verse 2, it says Jesus upholds the universe by the power of his word. And again, 1 Corinthians 8, 6 we looked at. There is one God, the Father, from whom are all things and for whom we exist. And one Lord Jesus Christ, through whom are all things and through whom we exist. Do you think God is some like big puppeteer? Just kind of, just going to make things happen. Just going to, or is he an absent landlord? Right, there's your world. Okay, I made it. You don't believe in evolution. Nice one. There's the world. Just get on with it. He's not an absent landlord. He didn't make the world and left. He sustains the world. He is the God who created the world and sustains the universe that he's made. We can see that just, just practically. Look at this amazing world. It's spring now, isn't it? The plants are coming up, the flowers are growing, and the trees are coming into flower. I just very simply think that's part of God sustaining. If not, he said, we'll have one spring, and then I'm off. But the plants are growing. The rain keeps falling. We have water to drink. We have water to bath in. Well, some of us have water to bath in. <laughs> if you can get in the bathroom. <laughs> I've been driving around Kent quite a lot this week and it's just amazing. You just see these beautiful fields, just the sheen of the food coming through. Isn't God good? He still provides us simple things like food. I'm trying to work out, you know, what is the post-pseudo-epigraphical, you know, end time. But he just provides food. Enough for each day for us. Isn't he good? He sustains us. I believe that if God withdrew his breath from us, we'd die. I mean, it's, I thought, oh yeah, I'll just write that down. Yeah, that's a good thing, I'll mention that. But then I thought about it. Wow. He takes my breath. He is the one who sustains us. As Christians, we're sustained by God's word, by the ministry of the Holy Spirit, by being with one another, which we were hearing about earlier on. So important to be part of the body. One of the ways in which God um, sustains us We had our series recently on image bearers and Barry was sharing with us um, from Psalm 139. I found it very moving actually. He spoke about being known by God and again it's on the website, you can listen to it. Barry unpacked how God is intimately concerned and involved with every, again as we heard earlier, every area of our life. We heard about a God who speaks to us, not a God who is at a distance. We just turn to Psalm 139. Again, if you don't know where to go in your Bible to read, these first five verses are a very good place to, to look. This is the Jesus who sustains us. Look at this. The psalmist says, O Lord, you have searched me and you've known me. You know when I sit down, when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and you're acquainted with all my ways. 
One verse just said, you're intimately acquainted with all my ways. Even before there is a word on my tongue, Behold, O Lord, cauliflower, cabbages. You know it all together. He knows. What an amazing God. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Scripture I find very helpful when I'm feeling claustrophobic. Lord, it's you that's hemming me in, not this horrible thing that's coming over me. Our Jesus, he sustains all he's made, and I believe... That is confirmed by what's said in Psalm 139. Do listen to what Barry said. Jesus, he's the creator and he is the sustainer. Now I'm going to risk it again. I'm going to talk about science again. (laughs) So feel free to snigger. But do you know, scientists tell us that this universe is actually dying. All you've got to do is go into Google and just type, the universe is dying. Good bit of bedtime reading for that. You know, I, I'm, I'm not a scientist, but just in Julian terms, I can see a lot of death and rubbish and kind of stuff, brokenness that's going on around us. And really the impact that that's having on creation. Because when, when man fell, when man, man sinned, it led in the brokenness. Death came and we're now living with that. And it's not good. Stuff comes into our lives, doesn't it? Death, sickness, dis-ease, confusion, upset of mind. It comes in. There is death at work. Now I say this very carefully and I'm not going to leave you hanging on this. But everyone in this room is going to die. And if you don't know Jesus as Lord and your certain saviour, I say that to you in love, you will die. And if, if if Jesus comes again, we will either die or Jesus will come again and we'll go to be with him if we've asked him to be Lord of our life. And I think it's quite sobering because what happens when you think about it, you block it out. Oh yeah, but it's a bit like going on a dart, isn't it? Oh, I'll start next year. I'll, be, I'll, do, I'll start when I'm 30. Then it's kind of, I'll start when I'm 40. Then it's, I'll start when I'm 50. And then it was, um, no, I'm definitely going to start at 60. <laughs> we never get round to it, do we? There is death at work. There is a brokenness at work in this world. And we have different, differing approaches, and I think sometimes it's quite good to actually stop and think, this is a fact, not an emotional kind of stir up. This is a fact. We will die. What are we going to do about it? I think Jesus is the answer. <laughs> about 10 years ago, do you remember the tsunami? That awful wave that came and stuff. I went over to Sri Lanka and I was helping with the relief work. And what really, what really struck me was the fatalism of the people who lived there. Very fatalistic. Yeah, my wife was killed and I lost four children and I'm going fishing today. It really struck me. It's a very fatalistic culture. They kind of accepted death. Whereas in this, culture, in this country, we sanitize it, we clean it thing on the television about this guy that wants to live forever and so forth. I turned it off after five minutes. I didn't understand a word of it. But we do have to face the consequence that one day, unless Jesus comes again, we will die. But there is some very, very good news. I always like the good news bit. That our Jesus, who created this world, 
and who sustains this world, he entered this world and he lived a perfect life and he died on a cross that we looked at recently and God raised him from the dead. And now by saying, Jesus, I'm sorry for the stuff I've done in my life that's wrong. Would you come and, and be the king? Would you, Lord, would you kind of be the manager, the boss of my life? We can know him forever. We can be safe. We can be saved from the everlasting death. And that's the one we need to fear. God is not an impassive observer. He came himself in the person of Jesus. So we're a Christian. We die. We go to heaven. We sit in a cloud. And we play a harp. I think, I think that's what it says in here. Am, am I right? Yes. No. What's going to happen? Well, I'm not entirely sure is the honest answer. But here's some indications from the word of God. Isaiah 65, it says this. For behold, I create new heavens and new earth, and the former things shall, be remembered, shall not be remembered or come to mind. 2 Peter 3, verse 13 says this. But according to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Revelation 21, verse 1 says this. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. So the, the theologian Wayne Grudem, he says this about heaven. He says, heaven is a place where God most fully makes his presence known. The greatest manifestation of God's presence to bless is seen in heaven, where he makes his glory known, where his angels, otherly, other heavenly creatures, and redeemed saints all worship him. I've had one or two, actually they've all been ladies, uh, single ladies who've really prayed and really spoken into my life over the years and they're all with the Lord now and I sometimes wonder where are they, what are they doing but from scripture I believe absent from the body is present from the Lord present with the Lord and not in a kind of emotional kind of mm, lovely there with Jesus now but I just believe from the word absent from the body is present from the Lord and these two precious elderly disabled ladies are now in God's presence. I believe free from sickness, free from pain. Because Jesus Christ was their Lord and Saviour. And they got on their knees and said, Jesus, come into my life when they were alive. And that's pretty crucial to do. But it's, it's difficult. We've, we've, we, we are talking about an infinite God and we have finite minds. And theologians will argue... That, that no, it's all going to be completely destroyed and then completely replaced. And other theologians will say, well, no, it's going to be renewed and renewed. Um, Revelation 21.5 says, behold, I make all things new. And really this morning isn't the point to try and get the theology spot on. The issue to remember is the key one is Jesus made this world. Jesus sustains this world. And Jesus is redeeming this world. And Jesus made me, he sustains me, and he redeems me. Psalm 8. Psalm 8, verse 1 says this, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic 
is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. First scripture I ever underlined in my Bible. Got my RSV, no, my authorized version Bible, which I was given by Cliff Richard, 1967, and I had my own Bible underlined that scripture. <clears throat> Goes on to say in verse three, when I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? Anyone like Star Trek? Yeah, which is your favorite? Voyager, Next Generation, all of them. Oh, it's boring. It's that counselor, she really annoys me. That's the way data goes, hmm. Spock, that's right. So it's space, isn't it? Space, the final frontier. Well, is space the final frontier? And I was thinking, well, no, actually, I'll tell you where the final frontier is. It's my heart. That's the bit that's hardest to get to. This chap's whizzing around, isn't he, in, in this space station. Amazing what's going on up there. You can get into space, but I think it's harder sometimes to get into our own hearts. Hard to conquer what's going on in there. In Acts chapter 17, verse 28, Paul is, is, is walking among, is, I think it's at Mars Hill, he's walking amongst all of these kind of different idols and stones and sort of religious, all this religious stuff going on. And he sees, a, he sees a, a kind of a plaque that's raised up and says, to an unknown God. And Paul says, you know what? I can tell you who this unknown God is. And he starts sharing. But he says this amazing thing. I know I said this a few weeks ago from here. He said, he said this scripture, he said, in him we live and move and have our being. And I know I said last time, you know, we were at the Downs Bible Week in 18. In him we live and we... What a great song that was. was. <laughs> and I thought, yeah, isn't it great as Christians that in him we live and move and have our being? But when I look carefully at the scripture, it seems to talk about everybody. He's talking to people that aren't followers of Jesus. And if you're not a follower of Jesus this morning, I've got some good news. In him you live and move and have your being because he is your redeemer. He came, he lived that perfect life, died on the cross as we said. God raised him to life and he can redeem you today. Redeem means buying back. He is a God who intimately cares. He is a God who sustains. Who is making the coffee today? Oh, you lucky people. Would you like to come to the front? You see, we come to church, we think, well, we'll, we'll do what we're going to do. Fortunately, I know these people, and I love them, and I think they kind of love me a bit as well. Oh, you need to be very scared. <laughs> no, all you need to do is sing, I know my Redeemer lives. I know. After, no. But we come to church, and we think, well, God, 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 you know, i am come to worship God and praise him, and these guys have been serving and so forth. This morning. Many people here have been serving this morning. But you think, but does God actually really care about me? I mean, I know he cares about Steve, and I know he cares about John, and that sort of thing. But, but, but does, and, and he does. But I think, I believe, I believe I've got a prophetic word for both of you, which I'm not going to give publicly, okay? And I believe it's got some significance too. But I also believe this is a representation that God cares for everybody, 
and those who are quietly serving in this church behind the scenes, things that are never seen. So I've got a little present for you both, okay? There we go. Yeah. 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 Because I believe God really loves you both. And I had no idea. When I was saying, Lord, I don't know what to, how to finish tomorrow. You know, do we just look like raise the dead and call it a day? And, 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 after, and, after, and after sort of, you know, a while, I just felt God said, you know, the people doing the coffee, I, I want you to give them word. I said, well, who is it? I said, it's Malcolm and Marge, isn't it? He said, no, it isn't. I'm getting weird now, forgive me. But God wants to really bless you too. And I've got a word of encouragement for you later. So God bless you. Okay. <laughs> Get the coffee on. <laughs> Anyone thirsty now? <laughs> I'm nearly done. I was just so frightened that I said, in conclusion, they go before I get them. You have to pull them back in. I'll leave that. So, my, my, lovely, old, my lovely old pastor from my, ch- my church up in London back in the 70s, the good old days when we wore purple and life was much easier. <laughs> coal miner strikes no electricity no power and the decade Steve was born so it was all good <laughs> but my, my old pastor bless him um, you think I repeat my stories he used to tell this story time after time he told the story about a boy and his father and his father would go to his shed every Saturday when men used to you know in the 40s and 50s and he made his son this beautiful boat and the son went down to the river to play with his boat. And then one day he put the boat on the river and it sailed away. He lost it. Very upset. A few weeks later, the boy was walking down the street and he saw a shop. He saw a shop window. And there was a junk shop. And right in the middle of the window was this boat that he'd made. I know all you old e- you evangelicals know where I'm going with this. <laughs> and the, the boy went and told his father and the father went got some money, went into the shopkeeper and he paid and he got the boat back. And this is what my pastor used to say. He said that the father would bring the boat out and the father said, I made you. You were lost. I found you and I brought you back. And that is what God is saying to you today. To you today whether you don't know Jesus, whether you lead a church, I know we've got people here today who do, or whether you serve. He said, he says this, I made you. I made you. You were lost. I found you, and I brought you back. This is the wonderful Jesus that we worship. Steve, do you want to come up? We... um. Feel free to go make the coffee. This is this is the. <laughs> I'll have a double espresso, an extra shot, or n- was it Nespresso? Isn't it? <laughs> the skims, skinny latte. If you are fearful of death, if you are fearful of death. And it's natural, you know. Then, 
then I believe that I've got a scripture for you, which is this. It's Psalm 134, verse 8. It says, The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Your steadfast love, O Lord, endures forever. When you look at the context of that scripture, it's not somebody praying and ministering it to you. It's you taking the word of God in for yourself and saying, Lord, you will fulfill your purpose for me. You will fulfill your purpose for me, for your steadfast love, O Lord, endures forever. Hebrews 4, 14, 16, it says, Let us draw near to the throne of grace to find help in time of need. Would you like to stand, please?